Hello and welcome to Super Boothers. I am Roller Coaster Tycoon Ryan Salinas. Oh wow, look at that. I, I am the Age of Empires, Ismail. I over Thanksgiving I became beyond addicted to Roller Coaster Tycoon. And I mean like the old like nineteen ninety eight version. You know, that's funny that you bring that up because I love that game and I've also been playing an old game, Age of Empires 2, for those of you who are curious, that I played when I was younger. Um, it's like a strategy, civilization, war kind of game. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, these old games kind of feel nostalgic and bring you back to being a kid. I also was- think that tic- I also think that TikTok kind of brought back Roller Coaster Tycoon, and it's mostly just of like people like crashing roller coasters on purpose. Everything comes back to TikTok with you, man. Have you noticed that? It, it really does. It really does. <laughs> Is it me? Am I the drama? I don't think I'm the drama. Maybe oh, I God. Am. am I the villain? I don't think I'm the villain. I don't think I'm the villain. <laughs> I feel like no, if I came to your house, is- it, w- it would just be like TikTok clips playing in the background, TikTok music, trending sounds. <laughs> I appreciate that. Did you buy anything for Black Friday? I actually did not. This is the first time I didn't really buy anything. I, I did. A, I have like a software I use for for one of my businesses that I took the deal, uh, took advantage of the deal they offered. But otherwise, I didn't really buy anything. Um, it's rare. I do my yearly pay for my business ahead of time. So I finished the last one today. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. They usually, I don't know why they do that. If you have people already paying you monthly, why offer them a deal to pay less, but they do. And I take advantage. Yeah. I think it really, it, I mean, I I've said this twice before. So in 2019, I pay, or I'm sorry, in 2018, I paid my business off. That's when I kind of like started this little trend for myself and Every software that I use for the business, if they offered a Black Friday sale or Cyber Monday sale, that's when I purchased it and essentially paid for the entire business in full ahead of time. And I, this is 18, 19, 20, 20 fourth year I've done it. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's a good hack for people listening. Um, well, it's not, it's not even a hack. It's just like if you have you know, a backlog of cash and you just have to dump it, I mean, that's a great way to do it. Yep. But I'm excited today, Ryan. I'm excited because we're doing our first interview in quite a long time. Um, so I am happy to announce Mike Anderson is on this call with us. Mike owns a photo with company in New Jersey, and we'll get into his story. I've also actually interviewed Mike on my other podcast about his real estate investing that people can check out if they're interested. But Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Hi, Mike. Mike is the man. Mike, uh, I actually met Mike um, years ago at the Photo Booth Expo in person. And I think we've always interacted in the Facebook groups. A lot of you listening may recognize him. Uh, he's very helpful and active there. But I think for people who don't know, what I found really fascinating is that Mike recently just sold his Photo Booth company. And I thought that'd be a great opportunity to bring him on here and talk about that for everybody. Because I think a lot of us fall into the trap of you know trying to build income and build the business, but we really end up just building a job. And I think Mike did a really good job of building a business instead and showing that there's value in building the brand, building the processes and, and stuff like that. So I, I really look forward to getting into that. But I think for everyone's benefit, Mike, if you don't mind just giving a little bit of a backstory, uh, how did you get into the photo booth industry and why? Why'd you get into the business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, First off, it's pretty cool to be on this podcast. Uh, does that mean like uh, that you made it in the industry? Like, is that a, a sign of something? Because um, I feel like I'm finally here, but I, I'm taking a step back. So, uh, did I make it? <laughs> right, right Officially. before, right before you left, you made it. <laughs> this, this is the sign, huh? Uh, the Super Boothers podcast. But um, yeah, congratulations, so, goodbye. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, like I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, I had taken an interest in uh, DJing in my early 20s. I was probably 22 years old. I had a friend who was doing uh, DJing like weddings and nightclubs and stuff like that. So he took me under his wing and kind of mentored me, took him out, you know, took me out, showed me the ropes. Um, I started doing my own thing, you know, started a little DJ hustle, um, saved up a few bucks. And then that same friend said, hey, um, you know, these photo booths are money makers. You know, you should do it. Um, but uh, this was 2014. He goes, yeah, but I think it's a fad. I think that fad's over. Um, but I'm like, you know what? Let me look into it. Um, so I did. You know, I ended up 
you know, purchasing a photo booth and it kind of just went from there. Um, I don't want to go dive deep too deep into that yet because I'd like to just break down some of those details of how I was starting out and, you know, how it came to a business from just, you know, a guy with a photo booth. But, um, you know, so we're looking, I started back in 2014 and I'm ending now end of 2021. So it's been about a seven year ride. Uh, learned a lot about business, learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about, I guess, uh, everything. So what was the original photo booth that you purchased? I'm just kind of curious. Oh God, that's embarrassing. Um, no, well, it's not <laughs> as embarrassing as mine. I don't think. No, it's so I purchased, Oh, this is a good story. My okay. first photo booth, and this is gonna, you're an OG if you know this name. So the first photo booth I purchased was from Roland Elliott. Um, oh, <laughs> I knew that's that. Yeah. I knew that's yes. coming. <laughs> that is a perfect button to be able to use. I, I don't think he's listening to this, so I'll just I'll just tell it all. So I was obviously drawn to the the price point. Um, Hold on, and wait. I think in. Continue. <laughs> and and you know what? Let's go back to 2014. There wasn't really photo booths like there are now. You saw a, a great deal of homemade rigs. And really, homemade rigs were almost the norm still at that point. Um, you were starting to see some manufacturers come out. Um, but stuff was, to me at the time, very expensive. So, I mean, I had less than $5,000 startup cost. So... To me, if I could get this photo booth for whatever two, three thousand dollars, kind of piece it together myself, you know, he built me the shell. Um, I know I can get a start. So, ironically, the my first interaction with him was very hostile. I had asked like a pretty newbie question, like, uh, "Is it sturdy?" And then he like emails back like full caps, "Yeah, of course it's sturdy. You must be an idiot." Um, you don't know what you're doing or uh, it was something no. very hostile. It was something extremely hostile for a customer just uh, asking a question, <laughs> but I still bought it from him. <laughs> nice. I actually ended up calling him a few days later. He goes, yeah, sorry for being a dick the other day. And I'm like, it's all right, man. I'm still going to buy like this piece of junk that you're selling. So <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. Why, why didn't I turn you off? <laughs> It should have, but you know what? I have no regrets starting that way. Again, um, it was an accessible way in. I built a very strong business off of uh, several of booths that he built for me. Um, so to be honest, no regrets there. But um, you know, I definitely moved on to better equipment since. So w when, you, when you first started, Mike, um, what was your goal? Were you thinking, I'm going to build something to sell? Were you thinking, I just want to make some cash? I want to build a business? What was the mindset of when you first started? Right. Yeah. So I'd say like 24 year old me, 25 year old me. Um, I didn't know anything about business. I knew I had entrepreneurial interests, um, but I obviously I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur at that time. I was looking for a weekend hustle. You know, I had an, uh, I was, you know, at the entry level salary as a police officer. Um, you know, so I was making under $40,000 a year at the time. I had just purchased a house. Um, my paycheck was basically my mortgage. So, you know, I didn't really have, much extra money for, you know, food and recreational stuff. So I was pretty living pretty lean at the time. Um, so, you know, just taking that hustle that I had of me to go out on the weekends and just, you know, build up a little extra, you know, side cash and then convert that into enough money to buy a photo booth. Um, I wasn't building it with the idea that I was going to build a company out of it. Um, I had bought the photo booth in I think like August of 2014 and I wanted to do, I set the goal for like seven events to pay for the equipment. And I had done 40 events that year between like the beginning of September and the end of December. Um, and so from then I realized like this can be a thing. So, you know, we can actually run with this. So it was just initially a goal to make some extra cash. And then like everyone else, I think people relate to it starts to go pretty well um, and, and it turns into something that you see potential in, right? So I assume that first year that you made, you did 40 events, you made some cash. Where was your mindset after that? Were you thinking, um, let me buy more, let me hire people? Like, how do you grow this thing? But what was the stuff that you did to grow from that point? Yeah, it was definitely a slow, low, slow process. And I think I learned a lot and I, I made all the mistakes there was to make, 
you know, and I think that's, it's kind of a natural thing. Um, especially that I didn't build it and start it as with the intent to be a big business or, I mean, a, a sizable local business. Um, you know, everyone goes to like, all right, asking your relatives, asking your friends, can you help me out on the weekends? Um, you know, I think everyone goes through those step ups of, of doing that and trying to like almost beg people for help when you need it. Uh, but then I slowly transitioned into hiring employees. Uh, you know, first I was, I was doing every event myself. And then if I had a second event that day, I would find someone to do it. I'd be working the other event. Um, but it slowly transitioned into hiring more staff and, you know, me taking kind of a step back from the events and just kind of managing everything, um, from a higher level. Um, but it was definitely a slow process. You know, I, I put in a lot of hours, a lot of work, just like I think everyone else does. Um, in this type of industry. When, whenever you kind of hit a certain point, I always kind of like to say that there have been like, I don't know, like four points in my career where things just took off on a different trajectory. At what point did this just take off on a different trajectory? Oh, geez. That's a great question. So I always like use this analogy in my head that like, I felt like I was playing chess. And every time I made a move, it turned out to be a good move because whatever I implemented at that time, like started to take off, whether it was, you know, add a new booth or buy new booths or, you know, take a new step in this direction and offer this. Um, I'd say like the biggest step up for me um, in that trajectory was when I expanded to maybe like six or seven photo booths and I decided like, I'm just going to staff this. I'm not going to work the events anymore. You know, when I had that realization that my time was better spent at home managing sure. rather than going out and working one event and then just like hiring out the other two. Um, you have to jump out of that mentality that, you know, if you charge, you know, $700 for a photo booth gig and you pay your employee 200 of that 700 that, you know, well, if I go work myself, I can make all the money instead of paying, you know, my staff something, you know, we're really, if you go and work that event yourself, you're working for 200 bucks for the night. You know, you're not getting all the money because if you stay home, you're still going to make the 500 bucks. So getting out of that mentality of, oh, I can just do that myself and into the mindset of who can I hire to do this for me, um, I think was the big, the biggest shift. And that was probably not until like 2018 um, where I really got into that groove. You know, what's funny is that you talked about how people look at, hey, I can just do the job myself and keep all the money. But there's also the opportunity cost, which is what you're alluding to. Because you're doing that job yourself, you can't do the three other jobs that night. You can't do the five other jobs that night. Um, so you're really limiting yourself. And by stepping out of that role, making less on that event, you're able to do more events and make less on all of them. But the sum of all that is much more than you just working that one event. And I think it's ironic that doing that made you able to grow your business more and also made you able to make it into something that someone else could buy. So people that are stuck in in that operator mentality really limit themselves. And I think, uh, Mike, you know about this book, and I think we mentioned it with Ryan too, the E-Myth Revisited, which I'll link to in the show notes, is all about this, where they, they uncover the reason most businesses fail is that the person running the business never treats it like a business. Um, let's say it's a chef opening a restaurant, they're really good at cooking and they can't let that part go. Meanwhile, you should be focusing on marketing, advertising, hiring, training, all the other aspects of a business. And I think uh, that's what Mike did and that's what ended up working really well. Uh, but I'm curious, Mike, what ended up being the most challenging part of that process? Was it like building the team and training the team or was there something else that was more difficult? Yeah, I think um, building and training a team is the most difficult part. You know, managing people, I think, is the most difficult part of any business. You know, people a lot of times would say, like, oh, how many booths are you up to? How many booths do you have? Like, look, I could buy all the photo booths in the world, but if I don't have a team to run it, I don't have anything. And I think that's ultimately an area where I largely fell short in this business. Um, I do think I could have done a better job building up a, a more robust staff, um, simplifying my processes of you know, the setup of the booths um, to make it more trainable. You know, I think those are a lot of places that I personally fell short. Um, 
looking back where I see like where I could have definitely done a better job. I also need to mention that this is also something that I struggle with on a daily basis. Like that is like a 100% normal thing to, to be not, I'm not going to say insecure about, but most definitely to always be thinking like, you know, what could I do better or what, you know, is something that I can do to help my staff succeed at their job. Like that's something that I think every business owner's thing. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, I feel like every entrepreneur or business owner that I know that I talk to, that's always unanimously the biggest issue is finding people, training people, retaining people. It's really the people part of it. Um, so Mike, if you don't mind sharing any stats that you're, you're comfortable with, uh, for people to get an idea, how big did you get the business? Whether uh, the team, the number of events, the revenue, like how big did it get before you sold it? Yeah, sure. So uh, 2019, I had a one of my best years. Um, I did about 250 events. I was running about six or seven part-time staff at the time uh, at about 200,000 gross. Um, <clears throat> 2020 was COVID. 2021, um, I... I took off, um, so to speak. So in 2021, I did about what I did in 2019. Um, and that was in a partial year. So about 200 K in revenue gross, um, you know, about 220 events, a little, little less events, but, uh, much higher price point per event. And that was just really with events starting from May until like now, like the end of November. Um, but yeah, COVID was a big shift for me. If you want me to kind of maybe get into that, I think, cause I think that's an important, that was an important like entrepreneur shift for me as well. Yeah. Let's get um, into it. What do you mean? What was the shift? End of 2019. Um, I think I was just, even though I was hiring staff to do all my events, I was just run down, right? Like, you know, you're doing 250 events a year while working a full-time job. And if you don't have the right system of systems and processes in place to automate things for you, you know, you're going to get worn out. Um, so I had started the shift. I had, you know, switched to a CRM that was more conducive to automations, which I think is hugely important and way undervalued. Um, but then when COVID hit, you know, and I hate the word COVID hit, so I can't believe I just said that. Uh, so, but when I COVID started, I was just happier as a person, you know, um, I wasn't working during the week and then just getting worn out on the weekends, doing my photo booth events, you know, you know, I saw life through a different lens and, you know, throughout that whole year of not doing any events, pretty much, um, you know, I made that decision that, you know, when things come back, it needs to be different. I need to look at it differently. I need to take a different approach. Things need to change. Um, you know, I need to apply the that 80-20 business principle, you know, what is taking 20% of my, uh, what is taking 80% of my time, but only giving me 20% of the results and vice versa. So let me focus on that 80% um, or those things that take me 20% of the time that give me the 80% of the results. Um, so I applied that principle and, you know, it actually worked. Um, you know, when things came back from COVID, I increased my prices. Um, I delegated, I took an approach said that was, what do I hate doing? Like what feels heavy to me? What tasks do I just dread doing? And like, as stupid as it sounded, like I hated on Monday morning, like doing payroll, because it took me like a half hour and I just hated doing it. So I delegated that. Um, I hated designing 40 photo booth templates a month. That's a very mundane tasks. It's, um, it's not a unique skill. Um, most photo booth owners, uh, design their own templates still. So I hired that out that lifted a huge weight off my shoulders and really allowed me to look at it as a business. I put a system in place where, um, the template, uh, could be picked by the client designed by the designer and sent to my Dropbox without any interaction on my behalf. Um, I focused on online only bookings that required no interaction from me. Um, I hated talking to people on the phone. Um, it just really, you know, after seven years of trying to explain to, um, a mom of a 16 year old girl, what a photo booth is, you just get tired of it. So <laughs> Like, you know, I probably shouldn't be doing that. Um, so I hired that out. So I think in, in 2021, I, I truly turned it into the realest business that it's ever been. Um, simply by looking at like, what do I hate doing? What do I hate about this business? What drives me nuts? What's taking up my time? 
And how do I get away from actually doing those tasks? And it's actually a lot easier than you think. What did you enjoy? I enjoyed... It sounds like I hate everything, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you enjoyed the mo- you enjoyed the money, so we get that part. So I enjoy the problem solving, right? Because that's what you are—you're a problem solver. I enjoyed, um, you know, logistically, how am I going to run fifteen events in a weekend? Um, how am I going to get all the equipment there? You know, who's maintaining the equipment? You know, who's running? You know, that's what I enjoyed. It was kind of running that machine. And then seeing the payoff, you know, I enjoyed satisfying customers. You know, I put like, I would go to great lengths because every little detail was always very important to me when it came to these events and things that were maybe insignificant to someone else or a client, you know, I just always made sure little things were right. And that might also be like a downside um, because big picture, you know, letting little things slide is also probably a good thing as a business owner, but um those were the things I enjoyed. So I, I love the anecdotes because I think a lot of people listening relate to that, right? COVID was like a self-reflection, self-reflection period um, where people were reconsidering what they're doing in their life, what they want to do, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just curious when you were explaining all that and, and you finally got the business to a place where you weren't doing anything you hated or you, you cut most of that out and it was really delegated uh, it's like a self-fulfilling business. Why at that point, out of all the years before, did you decide to sell it? Yeah, that's, you know, I knew there was an end in sight um, in 2019, but I didn't, I couldn't see how it was going to end. You know, am I just going to do this and hustle and forever? Um, you know, I had felt like I hit a ceiling, um, even though I was still growing it this year. And I know it was capable of growing more. It had reached the point that it had grown to as far as I was willing to grow it. Um, And I wasn't willing to take the next steps necessary to get to the next levels. And even though I had taken a step back and really systematized things great to the point where during the week, I wasn't doing much work at all. I was checking in, making sure things were good for the weekend. You know, I would say I did less than five hours of work per week um, on this business. Um, which I consider to be pretty good. Um, but I think also my big downfall was I'm a little bit of an overmanager, um, a little bit of a control freak. And I think that ultimately um, led to me wanting to sell the business. Um, I just couldn't detach myself on the weekends. You know, on a Saturday night when you have six events going on um, and you have, empl- you know, even if your employees aren't reaching out to you, you know, you're, Oh, did they make it to that event? Okay. Oh, did they remember to do this? Did they remember to set this background on the layout? Um, you know, your your mind's kind of somewhere else, and that was really taking a toll on my personal life. Um, on my weekends, where I was off of my regular job, where I felt like I couldn't physically be present in whatever I was doing. Um, you know, my family noticed it was taking a toll on me. My wife noticed it was taking a toll on me. So, regardless of how good that that paycheck looked on Monday morning, there was nothing that could remedy, um, in my mind at least, like that type of, um, you know, kind of stress that I was experiencing on a weekly basis. The cost wasn't worth the reward. Absolutely. The and juice wasn't worth the squeeze. <laughs> it's exactly. just, it's so ironic to me that once you finally got the business to the point where you're working only five hours a week, um, that's when you felt the stress and that's when everyone noticed it in you. And that's when you decided that you can't do it anymore. You would have thought that would have happened before uh, when you were working like crazy. So I'm, why do uh, you the think stress, that happened? The stress yeah. was always there. Yeah, the stress was there uh, even even before, you know, this year. Um, that was just the one part that lingered, um, you know, on. And you know, it, you, you hit those phases in your life. When you're in your 20s, you want to hustle. You want to make it happen, you know? That's just that's just your mindset. Like when I'm in my twenties, like I don't care what my time's worth. It's really not worth much. Like I'm gonna do what I gotta do to get shit done. Um, you know, but as you hit your thirties, you you want to value your time more. You want a little bit of freedom. You know, you want a little bit of financial security, financial freedom. You, you want to reach for that. Um, so your twenties are kind of like building it up, hustle. You know, I think I think Gary Vee says that. You know, um, but then you know, as you hit that that new phase in your life, you want to just take a step back and make things a little more passive. 
Yeah, I definitely feel that. I think as I've gotten older, um, had kids, my time has definitely become way more valuable because I just have a lot less of it. Um, so I'm less willing to do things that I was willing to do, you know, just a handful of years ago. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, I, I agree and relate to that. And I think people all go through that journey in life. It's not really age-based. I think it's more um, like whether when you're becoming a parent, when other responsibilities come into play and, and you just don't have as much time. Um, I think you're right. Because I think everyone hits um, life events at a different age, like you said. So yeah, you're right. It's not necessarily age-based, you know. Um, I chose to have kids a little later in life. So, you know, when I was 27, 28, I was still in the mindset of hustle, 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 get it done, you know, you know, build a, a solid foundation for later in life where, you know, other people decide to have, you know, start families when they're in their early 20s. And, you know, they, they value that more um, at that point. So before we get into the sales process, because um, you have a great journey where you started like everyone else did and you got to a point that people dream of getting to, you know, making six figures and working five hours a week. What are like your main lessons that you'd advise people listening? Like, how do you get to that point? What are the main things that you tell people to focus on? Um, first off, I would say, listen, if you know that you have a good idea, listen to yourself. Um, most people around you don't understand what you're, what you're trying to do. Um, most people under around you are greatly average in the sense that they went to college, they got a job, they paid off their college debt for 30 years, and they hope that they have a million dollars in their 401k by the time they're 60. And they hope that social security is enough to supplement their 401k so they're not completely poor by the time they die. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's the norm of society. Um, so if you have an aspiration to, to start something on your own, um, just listen to yourself, surround yourself with other people that are like-minded. Um, you know, I just say that because um, when I, you know, when I said I was going to start this business, um, you know, I naturally got pushback from people who care about you, um, but they, you know, they didn't necessarily understand, you know, what I had in mind. You know, I had very little money to start up, but I knew like I had that hustle and I was going to make it happen. Like I'd mentioned earlier, I had less than than five thousand dollars in startup capital, um, you know, and I turned it into a business worth more than six figures. Um, just with my hustle, you know, I got comments from family, like, you know, how are you going to find people to rent your photo booth? Um, are you sure you're spending too much money? Are you serious? Like, is that really a thing? Um, so when you know you have an idea, I would say just follow it. Um, the other thing I would say is focus on systems sooner than later. You know, everything that's in your head, try to turn it into some type of machine that functions on its own to an extent. Um, research the tools that are out there. There's, it's so easy now with CRMs, with, with, um, you know, internet phone calls where calls can be routed to different cell phones at different times in the day. Um, it's so easy and inexpensive to really take a step out of your business and automate things. Um, so anytime you find yourself, Oh, I'll just do that. Oh, I'll just do that. Challenge yourself to say, well, what if I can't do that? You know, like kind of go into it with that mindset. Like if you're stuck at home, right? All you have is your phone and your computer and everything else has to get done for you. You know, how is this business going to run? You know, if you turn your phone off for two weeks, what's going to happen to your business? You know, and make that a test. If I had to shut my phone off for two weeks, if I was off the grid, um, where would my business fail? For 99% of people, probably including my business, it would fail within the first three days. It just wouldn't be able to function. So um, you know, get into that mentality too. So whenever it came to selling the business, were you, did you put it out there? Were you approached? How did that go down? Yeah. So I had thrown around the idea of selling the business during COVID, you know, during COVID I was in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is the beginning of the end. I'm seeing the light. I'm seeing freedom, even though I'm not making money, you know, I'm happy. Um, then, you know, things started picking back up after COVID and I just got right back into the grind like I was in 2019. Um, I started doing things better. Um, I started improving. Business was great. Business was better than 2019 and 2021, um, whereas a lot of other companies were still experiencing reduced business. 
I had that idea in the back of my mind and I just was getting super frustrated because I couldn't keep staff. You know, a lot of people that my main core were losing interest. Um, so I had put together a Facebook post one night, probably like 10 o'clock at night um, in like July, maybe June or July of this year saying, um, photo booth business for sale. Here's the amount of leads I'm getting. Here's the amount of bookings I did in 2019. Here's the equipment I have. If anyone's interested, let me know. Um, and I got like zero response from it. Um, but a lot of people that I networked with and were close with were aware of, of what was going on. Um, so by September, I would say I had gotten approached by um, a first potential buyer. Yeah. So someone had reached out because um, basically that Facebook post had just trickled via word of mouth. You know, I had made that post, but I wasn't actively... Um, other than making that post, trying to you know make this business sell, um, so I'm like, yeah, it's out there. If I get an offer, I get an offer. If not, I'm stuck running this business. Um, someone had reached out. Um, they were another local company. They also they actually ran a similar brand name than I was running because um, it was a localized name. You know, the name is based on the location of where we are. Um, so they had reached out. Um, I had spoken to them a little bit. I found that they used like similar CR CRM system that I was using. Um, they were in the same area. So I thought it was a good fit. Um, I met with them. I gave them my asking price, um, which was uh, just to be transparent, 175000 That was for the entire business, whatever would come with that business, the website, the leads, the equipment, whatever. Um, phone number. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the phone, basically anything that represents the brand. Um, if you go online and search my company, you know it would go to whoever purchased the business. Um, they had offered me much lower than that, uh, which I expected. Um, I wasn't insulted by the offer by any means. Um, they just didn't value the intangible things that were present that I knew had value. Um, their offer was more consistent with someone just buying equipment, to be honest. Um, and I, I was selling more than that. And I knew if I wanted to just you know cut every tie for every future event I had and just sell the equipment, I could do that. So the, me turning down their offer was really of no risk. Um, so I passed on that. Um, a few weeks later, um, you know, that kind of actually lit the fire under my ass to really you know look to start looking for a buyer because um, I, I kind of saw the light at the end of that tunnel. <laughs> At some point, I was like really hoping they were going to buy it. I was really hoping we were going to come to a deal, uh, but just the terms weren't right. So I reached out to another company I knew, and they were along the same lines of like, yeah, it's worth it's worth the equipment and plus a little more for like your website, your phone number, and all that. Um, mind you, you know I'm getting well over uh, one thousand hits organically to Google, and you know top ranking for the top keywords. You know, I, organically my site was ranking very well and just doing very well. I had over 100 reviews across Google, Wedding Wire, The Knot, you know, all those sites. So, um, I felt that I had a really strong brand and I felt like that wasn't given the proper value. Um, so I was actually about to lock up a deal with that company because um, their offer was a little better. Um, it did, you know, it represented the equipment, and I would say, and then some value above that. I was happy with it. You know, it was enough for me to, you know, wipe my hands clean and walk away. Um, but then, before I signed with them, someone had just reached out to me out of the blue and said, "Hey, I heard that. Um, I don't know if this is the right company, but I hear you might be selling your photo booth company. If you are, can you please give me a call?" So I reached out to this guy. I said, "Hey, look, I kind of already locked up a deal on a handshake." I don't think it's going to work out, but I'll, I'll hear you out. Um, so his angle is, look, I already run my own photo booth company um, in North Jersey. I'm not really interested in your equipment. I just want your brand. I see your brand. I see what it can do. Send me some figures and we'll get a deal going. I'm like, look, man, I don't think it's going to work out. Like, I like these guys who are going to buy my business. Um, they're cool. Like, They're going to make it easy for me. They're going to take all the equipment. They're going to take my van. They're going to take my booths. I'm going to train them. It's going to be awesome. Um, so he's like, no problem. I get it. Um, so I sent him over, you know, my Google analytics. That was what he was really interested in. I sent him over my revenues, you know, at the time I had, 
you know, for 2022, I had about fifty thousand dollars in in revenue booked. Um, you know, a good amount of receivables, a good amount of received, you know, funds. Um, so my outlook was looking pretty good, and he was really interested in that. Um, so he pretty much made me an offer. Said, "Hey, look." He first wanted to do kind of a, a partnership split where it would be a revenue split until I was paid a certain amount and then I was cashed out. I'm like, look, that doesn't really work for me because if you take over the company and then you know drive it into the ground, I'm never going to get paid. Uh, I'm not looking to do that. Um, but because he had purchased photo booth, another photo booth company before, um, and I think he saw the strength um, of my business, you know how well it was doing. Um, how leads were coming in organically, you know, bringing in three to 400 leads a month, just organically. Um, I'm converting a good number without any effort. I was not doing any follow-up, you know, so I was, I knew I was leaving a lot of money on the table there just because I was just a little bit burnt out and I hadn't put the systems in place for, you know, hiring people to do the follow-up. Um, so he had made me an offer, um, that was better than the other two offers, but it was just for, the intangible assets, which would be the website, the phone number, the um, you know the not the wedding wire accounts, the Yelp account, Facebook, Instagram, all those things minus the equipment, um, and then it gave me the freedom to liquidate the equipment uh, for additional income. So that's what I ended up going with. I mean, I, I just always I knew the story before you got on here, and I just always found it fascinating because kind of like the beginning of your story. Right, most people just value photo with companies on equipment, and that's what everyone says and what everyone offers and what everyone thinks. Uh, but you stuck to your guns, and you knew there was more value in the brand, um, in the business aspect of it, which I loved. And I think that's a big message for people listening. And that's really why I wanted you to come on here because it's not just valued on the equipment, right? And I, I wonder, like you said, you had fifty thousand dollars of bookings for the next year. Why wouldn't they value that? Why wouldn't they value the number of leads that are coming in? Like, there's a lot of, it's a business in a box. Anybody can, um, like, it's it's not hard doing events. It's hard building a business that has a thousand leads a month, um, that that has a brand name built and has all these reviews. I think that is where the real value is, and it always baffles me that no one sees it that way. Yeah, and like like I said earlier, like anyone can go buy equipment. <laughs> So, you know, if you're going to get this business, like, you know, there's a value there for everything that's coming in. I took a lot of pride um, and I put a lot of value in the systems that I built because even talking to these other owners, um, they weren't they weren't running the, the level of systems that I was. And I felt like I wasn't even doing that good a job of it because I had read the e-myth. I had, you know, I had known the entrepreneurial struggle about getting stuck in your business. And I felt like I was there. Um and then when I'm talking to these other people, they're like, you know, yeah, I do this myself. I do this myself. I do this myself. I do this myself. I'm like, do you have any free time? Um, you know, you know, how are you focusing your time on growing the business? And obviously, it's not a dig at them. It's just that that's, I think, the norm in the event industry. Um, this is a fairly low barrier to entry business. Um, the other frustrating thing, too, is when you sell for equipment, like the only reason someone's going to buy the equipment from you is because it's discounted. Right, so you're not even getting your money back on the equipment. So I think that that's a horrible way of looking at selling your business, uh, and it neglects all the other work, the intangibles that you put in and built over time. So I'm just curious, like, what gave you the confidence to be like, no, I'm not doing it that way. Someone's going to pay me for the brand. It was. I mean, I knew that it was there. Um, I know that there's value in my my phone ringing weekly in the 300 to 400 leads a month that I was getting. Someone's going to pay for that. Um, it's just a matter of finding the right person to take that um, who's actually going to see that value. And once I really got into it, it really wasn't that hard to find. Once I actually got out there and kind of made it known, um, if I tried harder, I probably could have fielded more offers and you know maybe even gotten a better offer. But you know, I wasn't really looking to do that. I just wanted to kind of get it sold, easy sale. You know, everyone's happy. But yeah, I think if you're running a photo booth business and you look at the value of your business as the value of the equipment, um, you know, you're definitely, you're probably structuring your business the wrong way. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, try to build a machine, look at the things that you're doing yourself and say, even if it's just writing it in a manual, um, 
you know, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, how is this business going to run without me? And try to look at the business as its own thing, not just you as, hey, the photo booth guy who's making all this happen. That makes sense. I mean, Ryan, would, would you ever sell your business just for the equipment? I know the answer. <laughs> um, it, 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 it would have to be a dark and gloomy day uh, for that to happen. Truthfully, someone could probably do that if they caught me at the right moment. <laughs> Like there would be a 15 minute window where I would just sell off everything and then I'd come to my senses and realize, okay, that probably wasn't a good idea. However, um, I have a friend that was selling, he owned uh, beauty salons, um, the ones where I think there's like Phoenix salons where the operators essentially rent like a tiny room to do either nails or barber or hair or, you know, whatever it is they do pay X amount of rent and then, you know, go from there there. He was telling me how, whenever he would essentially acquire other businesses like that, there was value in it. Well, and he was saying how like, there's like apparently like brokers for this and there is a broker that would attach a value to if you like, I'm, as a photo booth operator, rather, if you were to step away from the business, how many times would your phone ring? How many leads would you get? How many people could utilize your business without you creates value? Because there are some businesses that have like, you know, two clients because these two clients go there for one particular person. If that person wasn't there, would people still go to your business? And most likely in this case, the answer is yes. So there's absolutely 100% value to these organic leads that are coming in to these people that are booking without having to talk to anyone. If you could step away, have someone else come in and service those things, there's absolute value to that. That's the funny thing is that a lot of entrepreneurs don't build their business in a way that doesn't depend on themselves. And there's usually like a, uh, an awakening moment where something happens or some emergency where they can't work on the business for whatever reason. And that's when the, the light bulb goes off that, hey, my team could run the business without me or, hey, I really do need to build this to not depend on myself. Um, so thankfully, that didn't have to get that bad for Mike to get there. Uh, and I find it interesting that you basically did all this from a Facebook post that got crickets in the beginning. Did you think about going through a broker? Like there's the biz by sell and all these other things that people use. Why did you just leave it as the Facebook post? Why didn't you pursue these other alternatives as well? Um, no, I didn't feel like I needed to go through a broker because I feel like the community is tight enough. Um, you know, in my local market where everyone kind of knows who everyone is, what everyone's doing, who the big players are. And I knew that if I aggressively went out there and just started personally reaching out to a lot of people and said, Hey, even if you're not interested, I know that you know at least like three other company owners who might be interested. Um, so the really the second I started doing that um, was when I started sparking up interest. So um, I knew that that wasn't going to be necessary because um, there's are people out there that want to grow their businesses, you know, in my market that want to hustle and that definitely are looking to take on a company like mine. And what does the closing look like? Like, is it just, you know, here's the money, I'm done. Uh, do they keep you on to do certain things afterwards for how long? What do you need to do? Is the payments broken out? Like, how does that closing actually look like? Right. So, um, you know, it could have been structured a few different ways. The, the first two buyers that I spoke to did want um, a good amount of training from me, um, you know, both before the transition and after the, the closing to kind of make sure things were running right. Um, the other thing that attracted me to this buyer was like, he's like, Hey, I'm using my equipment. I don't need training from you. Like, just give me your stuff. I got this. Um, that being said, there was still a little bit of a learning curve when we started the transition, you know, with using my CRM, my email, my packages that I had set up, you know, just little things, but very minimal. Um, so yeah, that was all up for negotiation. Um, you know, what would my role be? You know, how am I value my time when I'm training you? That was all up for negotiation. And um, none of the buyers had made me a full cash offer. Um, meaning that I wasn't going to receive the full check the day of the closing, which was more than reasonable for me. 
Um, other people might not think that, but no one's going to give you a check for a hundred grand um, in this industry. You know, not likely. Um, you know, and it was funny because I had but posted. Sorry, Good. but if you ha- but let's say you went to a broker and you went to someone that is not in this industry that was I'm not going to say convinced, but if they were like, "Hey, have you thought about doing this and getting someone else to run it as like an investment?" and you could have got that large check from someone outside, would you have considered that? <sighs> or do you just not see the I, likelihood of that happening? So you just you know write it off in your head. I don't see the likelihood because Ryan, you know what was missing? What I think is missing from 99% of photo booth businesses um, is I'm still an employee in my own business. So I don't feel like going to, I could be wrong here, but I don't feel like going to a broker and saying, here's this business. It's, you know, it's running with a general manager in place and where a real investor could really pick that up and write a check for it. Does that make sense? I don't, you know, I feel like when I'm selling the business, I'm also giving it with the vacant role of general manager that needs to be filled by someone who was going to step in and take my role, um, which why I felt like it made more sense to sell it to someone else who was already experienced in the industry. Sure. Um, so I guess, how do you feel now? Like what's, what's, I'm, I'm sure you're very happy that you, you, you got there, but there's also some sad feelings of like, you can't go to the expo no more, man. You, you can't have fun in Vegas with us anymore. Yeah. I, I can still, uh, yeah. And I, you know, I had thought about that. Um, you know, what's, what's my involvement in the industry going to be? Um, you know, I have some crazy thoughts when I'm out like doing my, my jogs and, you know, how I can still do something in the industry. Then I think I kind of come to my senses. Um, I do love Vegas. So any excuse I can, I can use to get out there, trust me, I will. Um, you know, I do have a non-compete sign, so I can't operate within a hundred miles, but Hey, does that mean, you know, can I go into another market and, you know, do this remotely, you know, really take that 1000% like hands-off approach, like I'd mentioned earlier, like if you couldn't leave your, your house, if you couldn't leave your office, your computer, how can you make this company run, you know, um, forcefully, how do you do that when you have no other choice? That's like the epitome of an entrepreneur. You finally got the guts to sell and exit and you're still you know, thinking about it on your jogs. Like, how, how do I start something a hundred you know, miles I'm away? Like, <laughs> I'm like, do I manufacture booths? Do I do this? Do I do that? Um, you know, one thing I will say is I, I am considering, um, doing some type of one-on-one mentoring, um, you know, some type of paid mentoring. I'd like to, you know, give back, um, from everything I've learned from everyone over the years. Um, you know, I do feel that I've become very proficient at, you know, knowing the equipment, knowing the business, knowing the ins and outs and things, you know, knowing how to run a photo booth business. So, um, I see a lot of people in the Facebook groups, you know, struggling a little bit. Um, you know, so I'd like to be there. Um, if anyone's ever was ever interested, you know, I'd like to be there to maybe, you know, help those people out on a one-on-one basis. Uh, so I think that might be a, a good way to stay connected for a little bit. Yeah. And I think if there's anyone suited for that, it'd be you. And and you don't want, right? It wasn't all for nothing. You did end up selling the business and making money along the way. But all these connections that you built, all this knowledge that you built, um, you don't want to just completely let it go. I think it's more of a question of uh, how do you live the life that you want to live, right? And, and it sounds like that w- the business wasn't fitting your lifestyle anymore at this point. And maybe doing like the mentoring and doing the other stuff. Like I know you're into real estate and you're investing in real estate uh, with your full-time job kind of more suits the lifestyle that you're trying to build for the next 10 years. Like you said, it was really a good point. Um, Everyone is always in a different stage. So you're now getting to a different stage of your life. You want to let the business go and do something else. Meanwhile, there's other people that want to grab that business and and they're getting into the other stage that you're just exiting. So I think that's like the, the, the great thing about uh, capitalism and the economy and, and the market, there's always people coming in, people leaving, people entering. And I think that's why this industry has so much legs going forward too, is for everybody that's leaving, whether because of COVID or whether because of anything else, there's like 10 people jumping in now because like Mike kind of alluded to in the beginning, uh, it's never been easier to build this business, to implement these processes. There's a lot of software, there's a lot of tools, 
and entrepreneurship is getting easier across the board. And it's exciting to see so many people uh, jumping in. And, and I think with my, my, my rant there, I'll just let it go to Mike here for any parting words of advice and wisdom for people before we let you go. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, like you said, when I, when I hand over that, um, that business to someone else, um, because it's not the right thing for me anymore, it might be the right thing for him. Cause I truly believe that that business is ready to double or triple in size. Like I said, I was only converting maybe like less than 10% of the leads. It should be higher than that. Um, so, you know, one man's trash, another man's treasure, you know, I don't know if that really applies here, but, um, it's like, you know, me, shifting from that, getting some money, and then he can take that business and continue to grow as an entrepreneur, which is going to free up uh, my time um, to open up new opportunities for me. You know, I don't know what those opportunities are yet, but I know now that I have that off my plate, um, I can see more opportunities, maybe higher uh, value opportunities that I was missing because I was running the business. So ultimately, I think that's what it came down to for me. Um, you know, yeah, the, the cash flow was incredible. You know, I was doing better than ever, but um, it just didn't fit my lifestyle anymore, like you said. So just opening up um, new windows. I don't know what that is yet. You know, um, hopefully it's something bigger. You know, now I have the mindset to maybe think a little bigger. So, you know, the next thing that comes is is going to be set up for me. Um, and just to, to leave guys with um, maybe something... Um, I think just to summarize, I think everything that I went through over the last seven years, you know, um, I started with just an idea. I didn't have any money. Um, I didn't, you know, I just knew that I wanted to go out and make something happen. Um, I knew I wanted to to solve problems and I knew I wanted to build something and it just snowballed from there. So, you know, if you have that idea, uh, just stick with it. You know, you can make it work. You know, you're the only person standing in the way of of making that idea work. Just know that whatever it takes, you're going to get it done. Um, if you are looking to possibly sell your company in the future, you know, try to now, you know, try to early start converting it into more of a systematized thing. Even if you're still kind of checking in on the day to day operations, um, build up those systems. You know, those mundane tasks that you're doing. You know, create a position for that. You know, have someone else doing it. Um, and if you're having trouble with that, you know, seek help, you know, who can help you get this into more of kind of a self running machine. I always call it a machine because that's how I kind of think of it. You know, how am I going to make this machine run without me? I kind of tried to get into that mindset. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate it, Mike. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks for having me.